Halloween listeners, welcome to Bros Before Bros. Uh, I want to. Oh, sorry, was that interrupting? No, it's fine. It's fine. They all love that. It's. Uh, I wish I. What are you talking about? Skeleton. That wasn't me. That was a ghost. <laughs> Fucking will be. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do your job. I'm sorry. Uh, I wish I had a skeleton xylophone to do some uh, Halloween-y stuff. Anyway, bros before pros, uh, welcome to the show. We are a comedy fiction podcast. Uh, I've got nothing more to say about it, really. I'm Rich Masters. It's excellent. Uh, and with me, as always, are Josh. Say hello, Josh. Uh, hello. Do I get a title? Uh, no. <laughs> Damn. Uh, wow. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. I'm Jeff. Hey. <laughs> we don't What's Jeff's title? We don't stand on ceremony here. You just called yourself his excellence. Oh, I said it's excellent. The podcast. Oh, I thought you said his excellence. I really thought you said his excellence as yeah. well. Because no. we were making fun of you for being British earlier. So I, I mean, thought you were running with it. Be more specific. When do, when do you true. not put, when do you not uh, insult me for being British? My insult my lack you. of feelings. No, we hurt. love you. <laughs> Robot. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Uh, yeah, we're a comedy fiction show with two prompts, three stories, and infinite laughter. Um, this episode, which is our super spooky Halloweeny, uh, weenie's not a scary word. Weenie. Yeah, <laughs> ruin that slightly. Uh, episode. Halloweener. There you go. Saved it. Hollow. I guess. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, hollow peener theory. Look it up. This episode's prompts were masks and autopsies. Jeff, did we get that right this time? Because we fucked up last week. Yes. Yeah, you got it right. Yeah, Don't yes. worry. Um, I these are long, spooky stories. Uh, mine runs to ten pages. So uh, buckle in, people. We've got a long one I coming. Get seven, seven and a half, eight every time. I don't. I don't know. Consistency. You guys are going, you're doing an extra mile. You're like the kid in school who like writes a really good paper and wants a good grade. Or we're the ones that are trying to add and or you know even to every sentence to make them ten times longer. No, no, your stories are way better than mine. So you're doing. You're the ones um, holding this thing up. I'm padding my shit out. It's like mm. quadruple spaced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Size thirty six font. How will we do the editing if we don't double space it? Said no one ever. <laughs> yeah, right. I've, yeah, I d- four of my pages are references, like in college. <laughs> I got my MLA format. <laughs> Dude, MLA, fuck that. Um, who's first this week, guys? Oh, Not it. No, it's... it's me. Well then, here we go. Here's some horror from Mr. Jeff Pennington. <laughs> nice. Is the witch from Halloween City here? <laughs> Greetings, children of the night. Welcome oh, fuck, the to the horror segment of Bros Before Pros. Oh my god. <laughs> per my contract with the station, I am your host. Ten cent price. <laughs> but, but you may call me. The Lawmaster. I am a vampire or a ghoul of some sort. It's never made clear. (laughs) 
If you are a weirdo or degenerate, like I know I do, then tonight <laughs> you are in for a treat. Or is it a trick? Oh! Uh, they, they can't all be winners, folks. <laughs> yeah, statistically. Classic 10 cent price. It seems Jeff has yet another story that starts off funny, then gets pants-shittingly scary halfway through. How original and new. That definitely won't get old after a couple more episodes. <laughs> when Jeff switches to westerns. <laughs> we, we are nothing but self-aware. Now tuck in your mummies and snuggle up to your ghoul friend for tonight's Whoa. feature, Poisonation. <laughs> and get and get ready, children. This story fucks. <laughs> I just pissed a little. The name of my story. Okay, you're not gonna do the voice all the time. No, not the whole time. All the name right. of my story is Penumbra. Oh, nice. Is that like the part of your dick? Yeah. Uh, it's the no. Part of your dick that casts half that's, a shadow. That's the cock. <laughs> no, that's the perennium. I got it. The perennial? The perennium. It's like Pep the part of your Needless dick. Needless to say, <laughs> the ride from Marshall to Buffalo Creek was extremely awkward and quiet. Pavlov Flinch had tried to spark a couple conversations about women do with their used underwear in other <laughs> countries, but Kayla Hunter had shot wow. him down each time. This fucking Finally guy. warning him that should he ever bring the subject up again, she'd tie him by his nutsack to the back of the car and drag him behind the rest of the way. What about his perennium? Flinch played that game where you pretend Sonic the Hedgehog is running alongside the car on long trips the rest of the way. I used to pretend it was Star Wars speeders. <laughs> Which wasn't too long since it was like a 10 minute drive, but what are you going to do? <laughs> Kayla pulled off the road at a completely indistinct place partway up the hollow, shutting the engine of her old beat up 1968 BMW 22. Better described as a beamer at this point due to the neglect over decades and decades by multiple owners. She threw open the creaky door and began to step out. What are you doing? You can't piss out here. A squirrel will get up in there, Flinch what called the out. Fuck? Seemingly in whatever passes for genuine concern for another human being he had. What? <laughs> Kayla Hunter twisted her head back around the gape at him before shaking it and stepping the rest of the way out into the dirt embankment. No, no. This is as far as we can drive. The turnoff for Buffalo Creek Township used to be here before it disappeared. She paused for a moment before looking back at him once more. You're like the living shit stain on the grundle of humanity, aren't you? Jesus. Damn. Yep. For his part, Flinch barely even registered the insult and slid out of the car himself. He peered around in both directions, seeing nothing but high weeds, forest, and two-lane back roads surrounding them. He shoved his hand into his pocket and wistfully remembered Choco Tacos. <laughs> Rest in peace, man. You were too good for this world. Damn. I think this show killed Choco Tacos. <laughs> Flinch, come the fuck on, dude! Hunter yelled after him, waving her hand for him to follow. She disappeared into the overgrowth pretty quickly, pressing on into the forest at the side of the road. 
She flipped open her cell phone, honestly somewhat stuck in the past, as every Gen Xer is. That's <laughs> right, you jaded fuckers. We remembered you existed. You're welcome. Dude, <laughs> insult of the century. Anyway, there wasn't any signal out here. She cursed under her breath a bit about that. Flinch hadn't owned a phone since he found that track phone in the Waffle House parking lot, and then immediately got the shit beat out of him by some some high school pot dealer named Joey Cheese. <laughs> Joey Cheese! <laughs> no, Joey no, that prize belongs to Joey now. Or more than likely a landfill somewhere. He did have a beeper, though, because he fucks. <laughs> beepers, remember beepers. It felt like a pretty short walk through the overgrown trees and brush before the two of them emerged into a gigantic open field where the grass only reached knee height. But the more immediate visual upon them was a gigantic double metal rolled fence with barbed wire circlets across the top of it, three sets deep. Damn, what the fuck is going on? A prison? Like shark's teeth. Oh, shit. That's gonna rip my dick right off of me <laughs> like an action figure's leg in a lawnmower. Flinch whined <laughs> to himself. What? Staring slack-jawed at the razor-sharp wire rings. Hunter, for her part, completely ignored him, rubbing her hand <laughs> over the small faded steel sign at the edge of the fence, reading aloud as her fingers crossed the letters. Dusk Corporation Chemical Dumping Grounds. No unauthorized admittance. Why does that name sound familiar? Flinch asked, finally paying attention to the story I'm writing him in right now. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that the books about the S&M vampire teens? <laughs> Could you do me and the entire human race a favor and stop breathing for like five minutes real quick, Flinch? Hunter snapped at him, already starting to scale the fence hand over hand, her steel cane tucked underneath her arm. Flinch stood stock still watching her climb up, hands in his pockets, not even offering to move or help. She climbed with a grace and speed he hadn't seen outside of anime, which he most assuredly didn't watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. It was only a minute or two before she was at the barbed wire portion of the fence. Don't put your tongue on it. Trust me, Flinch called up after her. What? Hunter hung one hand from the fence, grasping the handle of her cane with the other and slid the sword within out carefully. Flinch watched in wonder, expecting her to swipe her sword around like a samurai and then the barbed wire to just fall from the sky in a rain of confetti. Holy yeah. shit, this was gonna be rad. <laughs> yeah, dude doesn't watch anime, though. <laughs> Instead, she just hacked at one side of the barbed wire to her left as hard as she could over and over until it split. Then she leaned over as far as she could and hacked away at the other side of it, <laughs> using the tip of the blade to push the barbed wire off to the side. Lame, Flinch actually yelled out loudly during their secret stealth infiltration. Alright, he's kind of funny now. Shut the fuck up, Hunter screamed, whispered back to him, resheathing her cane sword and shimmying down the other side of the fence. When her feet hit the ground, she was face to face with Flinch again, just on the other side of the fence. Hurry up and get over here before you alert a passing plane with the light signals reflecting off of your bald spot, you freaky little degenerate. <laughs> Damn. Body shaming is pretty low, Kayla. You should be ashamed of yourself. Flinch tisked and shook his head. Where did you even learn that term, Hunter said, bewildered. But she soon snapped out of it. Look, just climb the damn fence and let's go. 
As a writer, it behooves me to spare you the next half hour of the two of them whisper fighting through a fence. Just know that Flinch offered a lot of really stupid, unrealistic, anime-esque solutions for Hunter to help him to the other side. And Hunter continuously calls him names that would make anyone with a shred of dignity cry. Eventually, he made it to the top of the fence and then fell over it, landing in a lump in the dirt on the other side. He stumbled back to his feet, covered in dust and muck, but didn't really seem to care much about it. Probably didn't affect the smell any, to be honest. (laughs) If the path from the road to the fence had been surprisingly short, the path from the fence to literally anything except an open, overgrown field on the inside was the exact opposite. (laughs) Flinch literally stopped to piss like three times along the way. It was nuts how far it was. Or how bad his bladder was, depending on how you looked at it. Dude needs to fucking stop drinking Kool-Aid. Get prostate Eventually, a ro- <laughs> Eventually, a row of tents from one side of the fenced-in area to the other was visible. Their backs turned towards the approaching intruders. Kayla Hunter ducked down and began to creep through the overgrown weeds, her hands tightly gripping the sword cane in its sheath. Flinch eventually got the idea and began to creep along behind her, but admittedly much slower and much louder. His <laughs> knees were popping so loud, he but he really didn't want to get yelled at about them, so he kept his distance. <laughs> Slowly inching up to the back of the tents, Hunter peered through one of the back window flaps but heavy black mesh inside blocked any view into it. Undeterred, she slid around the side of the tent, throwing a hand back to grip onto Flinch's overcoat lapel and drag him along with her. (laughs) The two of them peeked around the corner of the tent, and even from their low vantage point, what they saw in front of them was unbelievable. Oh God, what is it? From one side to the other, it must have been a mile long, stretching in both directions beyond almost what they could see. A deep, spiraling, tiered pit reaching down, down, down into the ground below them, almost too far for any evening light to reach. It's like Trip Tucker's home. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he'll find his sister down there. Though there was precious little left of that light anyway. It almost looked like a rock quarry, but was far deeper and far more extreme in its slope down and in. Everything in this massive hole reached into the earth further than either interloper had ever seen in their lives, save for a single spire of stone at one far end of it, reaching high above the hole. And though there was a staircase spiraling around and leading up, the top of the spire was far too high to see what was up there. Yeah, perfect, perfectly normal. Let's 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 go up there. <laughs> I'm about to worship that spiral. Oh, God, I'm probably going to piss, Flinch said, his eyes wide as he stared down towards the hole in the short distance. God damn, you got to get a prostate exam. (laughs) Called it. She began to creep away from the tents and across to the edge of the massive hole. Flinch followed, (laughs) pondering whether he would be into a doctor putting his finger up there or not. (laughs) He came to the conclusion that it depended on the doctor and how safe they made him feel in their arms. <laughs> that's, that's sad. At the edge of the hole, the two of them gawked down at the site deep, deep below, at the very bottom of the pit. Though light didn't reach there and it was completely in shadow, it would be impossible not to see them down there. 
hundreds of them, each of them wearing pure white, but stained to the bone with black coal dust. Each of them swinging a pickaxe or slinging a shovel, working feverishly to dig deeper still below the earth, and each of them glowing an unworldly pale white in the dark. What the fuck are they digging for? But it would have been absolutely impossible for Kayla Hunter not to recognize them instantly. In 1999, a ghastly train had pulled into the Buffalo Creek train depot and dropped off a seemingly endless swarm of people, all in this pallid white who had disappeared toward Buffalo Creek Township. Now here they were. All of them, 20-plus years later, right before her eyes, as if she'd never lost sight of them in the woods. The phantom sound of steel hitting rock and tool-scraping tool was the only touch of reality that kept her from spiraling back into her memory completely. Oh, shit, sauce! Flinch whispered (laughs) as he grabbed Hunter by her leather jacket and yanked her back away from the edge of the hole. He dragged her with little resistance back to their original hiding place behind the tents at the end of the camp, both of them tucking themselves behind just in time for a procession of a dozen robed figures stepped up from out of the hole, presumably using some unseen stairs to return. They walked slowly, side by side, swaying in time with dangling ornate golden incense burners waving at the front and tall banners waving from staves in the back. God damn, this is Conan as fuck. I love this. (laughs) They all bore the same red and white robes the inhuman attacker at the library stacks had worn earlier that day. Hunter and Flinch breathed heavily, but silently, awaiting for them to pass, the sound of their hearts beating in their ears so loud they both worried they'd be heard. Eventually peeking back around the tent, the procession was gone. Not even a hint of their burning incense in the air any longer. Hunter clicked her teeth in frustration. These guys are so fucking creepy. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt, Flinch chimed in. Hunter just shook her head at this blatant hypocrisy and moved around to the front of the tent again. But without warning and seemingly from nowhere, the footsteps approached again. Twelve sets of feet pounding against the dirt hard, heading straight for them. Both Hunter and Flinch looked around desperately to try and see where the sound was coming from, but they couldn't see anything. Finally, adrenaline pushing her to do literally anything, Hunter latched onto Flinch's shoulders and pushed him through the hanging flap at the front of one of the tents, diving in immediately after. In the dark inside, the two of them ducked underneath a table, shivering silently, tucked in as close as possible to keep them from being seen should the attackers enter. But in the darkness, they stayed, motionless, with bated breath, waiting for the sounds of footfalls to find them as they came closer and closer. Please don't kiss. Please don't kiss. And then oh, they... God, that'd be the worst. That'd be so scary. And then they fucking Frenched. <laughs> but finally, when those footfalls did find them, they all stopped, seemingly right outside the front flap of the tent. Light from an incense burner, the only thing tipping off Hunter and Flinch that they were there, alongside the murmuring of hushed voices. A minute passed. Another. Then another. And finally, the light moved away. 
the sound of a dozen feet plodding silently or near silently against the dirt in every direction but into the tent filled their ears until fading away into silence. The two of them exhaled a sigh of relief and then climbed out from under the table. Apologies for hotboxing you in there, <laughs> Flinch stated flatly as he stood up oh, in the God. darkness. I hope you die, Hunter responded just as flatly. Oh, God. She was rustling around in the darkness for a moment or two before a flashlight clicked on in her hand, turning over the room around them slowly. There were military-style metal shelves lined up haphazardly around the room with glass jars on them, filled with some strange purple liquid. And though all of them were far too hazy and dark to tell, a few of them absolutely had something else floating inside. Beyond the jars were stacks of paper or some kind, seemingly old and withered by weather and weather and age, stacked haphazardly as if they weren't incredibly important. Flinch even pocketed a pretty large red gem from one of those shelves as well before Hunter had even had a chance to see it. What could go wrong? That's dog track money right there, baby! <laughs> dog track! Not horse, dog. Beakers, test tubes, and small metal instruments were strewn over the tables in the center of the room, around a large central wooden table, large and heavy. And laying across that table, splayed out with its incredibly long legs dangling over the bottom edges and its thin spindly arms dangling almost to the floor from the sides, was a seemingly humanoid being, but far too large. Flinch went to scream, but Hunter clasped her hand over his mouth, motioning harder with the flashlight for him to look at it again. Its skin was obsidian black, but over the top of it was a cracked and half-missing layer of gold. Not so much metal in nature, but powdery and organic, like reflective stone. Its body was so long and thin, it had to have reached over ten feet tall if it was standing upright. What the fuck? But thank... But thankfully, <laughs> but thankfully, as much as could be said in this situation anyway, it was abundantly clear that this thing was long, long dead. Its chest cavity was wide open, and purple liquid pooled inside of it, most of the area within pink and purple and emptied of its major organs, save a few floating in the viscous goo loose inside. Mm. Perhaps most disturbingly, the place where a face would have been on this thing's head had been sheared completely off, leaving a bare, inhuman skull underneath, with pools of purple, semi-hardened goo trailing around the wounds where it was cut from. Mmm, Gatorade. <laughs> you guys thirsty? What the hell? <laughs> yes! Flinch continued trying to scream every time the flashlight would move onto a different part of the thing's body. <laughs> But Hunter continued to hold his mouth shut harder. All of this genuinely took a lot of the terror out of the situation for her, to be real honest with you. But the silence of the scene was broken abruptly by the loud blaring of an old-time air raid siren, which pierced through the through two of them like a knife, causing Hunter to drop the flashlight and for Flinch to jerk clear enough to scream finally. But thankfully the sound of the siren was far too loud for anyone to hear him. God damn, he's so lucky. As the raid siren continued, Hunter peeked out of the flap at the front of the tent, squinting as hard as she could through the darkness outside now that the sun had completely set. Before her, 
There were dozens of them in their high pointed red robes. Now there were easily over a hundred of them. Their hoods pulled down low over their faces to showcase the strange runic symbol etched into the front of them. They stood in a gigantic circle around the massive hole in the earth and chanted something that was incapable of being heard over the siren. At the other end of the man-made crater, past the tall stone tower erected at its edge, the hooded figures stood in a crowd, shoulder to shoulder, raising their hands up to the obelisk before them in praise. I knew they were going to worship that thing. <laughs> the air raid siren ended, and even squinting into the darkness, Hunter could see the single robed figure standing atop the stone tower in the far distance, thanks to the tower now being wreathed with flaming torches in the night. All of this had happened so suddenly, with no sound, no motion in the air. It was all happening so fast. For his part, Flinch had crawled over to the back of the tent and had begun to yank up on the fabric of it as hard as he could to dislodge it from the ground. He's trying to get out. After heaving with all of his might as quietly as he could several times, one of the pythons in the ground came loose and he lifted the edge of it just enough to wriggle out into the chilling night's air on the other side. I like how you know what that thing is called. Uh, I didn't know that. I'm a smart boy. Someone's been camping. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, someone's gone camping before. Hunter turned around to check on him just in time to see his ass slide out <laughs> through the gap he'd made in the tent and disappear. <laughs> God damn it, you fucking traitorous bitch! She hissed through her clenched teeth. She peered she back out. She knew what this was. <laughs> she peered back out at the hundred-strong congregation and punched the ground grabbing her phone and ruefully dialing 911 into it. Mm -hmm. There was no dial tone, and this was the absolute last thing she wanted to do, but there wasn't much choice. There wasn't even a ring before the harsh sound of a click hurt her inner ear, and another Mm -hmm. softer click harkened a voice. Hello? It's the guy. It's the guy. Flinch ran, full (laughs) tilt, back in the direction that they had come across the long field. He huffed and puffed harder and harder as he went, but he was determined to fuck off as fast and as far as possible, so he pressed on. That is, until he felt his foot slide and the earth gave out below him. This was no sinkhole he fell into. It was deep. Deeper and darker than even the pit he had seen before. And the walls were sheer, dug on purpose. Not that they hurt any less to be bashing against as he tumbled through the darkness further and further down. He fell for what felt like an eternity. Even Pavlov Flinch, being a man as deep as a puddle, began to believe in the infinite in that moment. Oh, that's beautiful. And in the possibility that he was descending to hell. But eventually, deep down below, his descent stopped. Suddenly and abruptly, he couldn't feel his arms or legs from the beating he had taken, but for a moment, before the sensation came back, he was tangled in something. Rope? It was around both of his legs and had twisted around his midsection. The next thing he realized that he was upside down, dangling. He thrashed but for a moment, but he felt the the rope loosening around his waist a little as he did, so he stopped immediately. Finally, he opened his eyes, expecting utter darkness, 
Instead, he saw something his mind had never in a lifetime dreamed he would see. Instead of an endless darkness, or even a subterranean cave, he saw, far below him, hundreds of feet in fact, a sprawling system of buildings. What the fuck? There must have been hundreds of them. Thousands? Different sizes and shapes, each with blackened windows in them, long forgotten by time. But the architecture was like nothing he'd ever seen. Jagged and brutal, but perfectly aligned. And all of it, silver. Everything it's the Daedra. Was, everything <laughs> was illuminated in this effervescent silver light that seemingly came from the streets of the cityscape itself, though he could not see past the rooftops and buildings to know. <clears throat> he stared, mouth agape, and the peril of his situation became completely lost on him. But amidst the reverie, there was a groaning beneath the earth far <laughs> below him, as if the bedrock beneath began to shift and turn far beyond where his eyes could reach. Flinch began to panic, feeling the ropes tighten around his legs and began to shift downward for a moment. He thrashed, his body swaying in the air, before something yanked him back up towards the endless dark tunnel he'd fallen down. What? His head slammed into the stone inside once again as he began to be hoisted back up towards the surface and all went black. What the fuck? You've got, you got to understand that if uh, Pavlov Flinch is going to succeed anywhere, it's going to be in some sort of subterranean mutant <laughs> city, right? <laughs> yeah, it feels like he belongs there. Flinch slowly opened his eyes, his entire body feeling like it was on fire with pain. He squealed out a very unmanly groan <laughs> and rolled over onto his back. His vision was so hazy and his hearing was nothing but a high-pitched buzz, but slowly both began to clear up, though he may have wished differently. <laughs> Standing over him was a tall, thin man wearing a red and white robe mm, with a high-pointed hood. In his right hand, he brandished a jagged Chris dagger with a bronze blade. And in his left hand, an incredibly old brown leather book with metallic clasps all over it. He was screaming about something, swinging the dagger around and pointing down at Flinch over and over. Did you read my diary? <laughs> and every time he tried to yank away, but he quickly found his hands were tied tightly behind his back. And he was so beaten and battered from his fall, it wouldn't have made any difference. The man yanked his hood back away from his face, but revealed nothing as simple as a human face beneath it. Instead, a mask adorned his face, of twisted obsidian flesh, flecked all over in golden stone that flowed off of it like powder in the wind. Mm. <laughs> there were no features upon this face save a single half-lidded lifeless eye in its center, and around the edges ran purple viscous blood. The man was wearing the face of that thing from the tent. Mm. Flinch wanted to vomit, but couldn't for blind fear. <laughs> Tonight! Tonight the acolytes of the third birth are vindicated! <laughs> Tonight the blood moon gives us our rightful future! Tonight we witness the birth of God's third son! Not a spirit, or a teacher, 
but a destroyer. Behold, yes. witness the epoch of the umble, umbral born. Oh my god! <laughs> the masked man screamed in an inhuman cadence, raising both his dagger and his book to the sky. Flinch could barely see over the edge of the stone pillar he found himself laid upon, but he could still see the hundred-strong throng of hooded figures far below, all of them raising their heads to the sky to scream and chant in unison, throwing up their hands in reverence. Flinch looked up as well. And there, filling the sky up from horizon to horizon, was the blood moon. <laughs> it was so close that you could finally see the surface of it for what it really was. For the first time in his life, Flinch didn't see the pockmarked, barren, dusty surface of the moon, but endless, undulating flesh turning over upon itself over yes! and over again and bone pushing against the surface in a thousand writhing growths of peaks and valleys. I'm here to worship the old <laughs> gods! He screamed, though no one could hear it. No one cared. He could feel the indifference of the entire universe at his plight in his very bones <laughs> and wanted to bury himself in the stone to escape it. Oh, he can feed us. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight we will spill the blood of a non-believer, and that blood shall be the placenta of holy birth. God's angels has suffered long enough at the hands of non-believers. God's first children. They were made in his image first. They were given a world, the silver city far below, first. But humanity stripped them of their world. Tonight... Tonight we will take it back! Tonight the true believers shall be baptized in the blood of the second children and ascend. We who gathered the lost souls to feed a newborn God, we who offer them up freely now unto you, we shall become angels just as we were promised. Take us, umbral born! I'm into this cult, and I kind of want to sign up. <laughs> the masked man screamed again, his religious fanaticism causing him to convulse there on the stone pulpit above them all. Flinch felt the dagger's edge pressed to his throat, and he held his breath as tightly as he could. He could not shut his eyes. He could not blink. The burning heat of staring at the convulsing moon above him, searing his pupils. He barely even noticed the white-clad, soot-covered workers from deep in the hole below slowly begin to float up into the air and into the burning red aurora in the sky, screaming as they disappeared into nothingness. <laughs> the, convuls the convulsing flesh and blood of the moon began to recede away from its center opening the sky above them into a torrent of motion that Flinch's eyes could not begin to fathom. A red maelstrom at the center of a complexity he couldn't comprehend, even staring directly at it. He felt a small trickle of blood down his neck as the masked man continued to scream something he could no longer hear. <laughs> the maelstrom was a gateway. He somehow even knew that before the thing appeared from within it. The swirling, golden thing, 
with eyes focused upon him, hundreds of them, a light within its core brighter red than anything he had ever witnessed. He began to froth at the mouth, shaking, but he could not know that. All that he knew was that it was coming closer, gleaming in a light that felt like seeing the light for the first time being born into a new world. What the fuck? Its eyes, unblinking, would not leave him, even as its wings unfurled from the sides of its gargantuan body. All right, now I'm totally... (laughs) Filling up the sky with searing hot white light from one horizon to the other. It was too big to fathom, its shadow blotting out the once ubiquitous crimson light of the blood moon. Boom! 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 Explosions began to rock the area below, and the dagger left Flinch's throat, falling onto the ground with a clatter. He fell over instantly onto the stone, not even registering the masked man had been holding him upright this entire time. (laughs) The feeling of no longer meeting the thing in the sky's gaze was a relief unlike anything he had ever felt in his life or would ever feel again. He squinted through teary eyes back at the masked man who was screaming with his hands on the sides of his head. No! No! You cannot stop the Umbralborn's ascension! You cannot ruin everything we've worked for! I agree. I kind of want to see where this is going. The crowd was screaming, not in reverie any longer, but in fear and confusion as explosions rocked the grounds they stood on, sending them flying into the air, sometimes into pieces. The masked man went to scream once more, but could not. A silver blade hung from the front of his neck, but for a moment, then swiped hard to the side, sending his masked head tumbling down off the side of the stone pillar. His blood splattered all over the stone dais between them, staining the rock deep, dark red in its wake. Standing where the masked man once stood was a tall, thin man dressed in black with pallid skin and (laughs) shiny black hair. He wore a pair of scarlet-red sunglasses, the only bit of color on his whole person. Flanking him on one side was a gigantic man who had to have been eight feet tall at least from where Flinch lay. And was, no, you put me in the story. And was so bearded and hairy that one could barely make out a face on him, though he See? too was clad in black. <laughs> All three were completely done up in black, in fact, as on the thin man's other side was a very small man in a black, wi- black wide-brimmed hat and bolo tie. Oh, it's me. Who was, who was eating an enchilada? <laughs> They seemed so out of place that Flinch felt the strange need to laugh, though he couldn't fathom why. As he lost consciousness there laying on the cold stone of the dais, the final thing he could remember seeing in that moment is the thin man in red glasses throwing his head back and laughing with a fervor that bordered on insane, especially amidst the explosions and screaming rocking the area around them. His vision faded, and the screams faded and the explosions faded. And finally, the laughter was gone too, the last thing ringing in his ears. Pavlov Flinch opened his eyes. The sun was so bright that he could barely keep them open for a moment, but he blinked enough times to finally focus. He looked around, bewildered, to find himself seated on the barely padded seats of a greyhound bus. (laughs) What? He went to stand, but his legs wouldn't get under him. 
So he just plopped back into his seat. And then he let out a blood-curdling scream as loud as he possibly could. (laughs) Every other person on the bus turned to look at him, startled and enraged, without a hint of empathy in them. The bus driver (laughs) slowed down on the old two-lane bike road they were driving on and turned around in his seat, glaring at Flinch from under his flat cap. You know the rules, fuck boy! (laughs) The bus driver grumble screamed, tapping the laminated sign affixed to the front wall of the bus, which read, Scream on your own time. Everybody's life fucking sucks. (laughs) Wow, that is a Greyhound bus. He turned back around and sped back up to normal speed. Flinch sat silently for a long moment and blinked a few times. He was trying as hard as he could to remember how he'd gotten onto this bus. Come to think of it, When had he left Huntington at all? He had met with Kayla S. Hunter from the journal. He remembered that. The two of them had gotten along better than most people got along with him. (laughs) He was sure he was going to score this time. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He was so close. But they had gotten into a car and drove somewhere. And then what happened? He sat there trying to piece information together he didn't have for a very long time until he turned to the woman in the seat across from him she, she grasped for her purse tighter to her chest, having been staring at him this entire time. Where's the bus going? Flinch asked, finding it hard to speak, his throat hurting so much. North, the old lady sputtered, sliding across the seat to be as far away from him as possible. Uh, towards New York. Flinch sat back in his seat, his mind a jumble. Suddenly out of the fog, he remembered something death, deathly important. At some point during all of this, he had found dog racing money. (laughs) Somehow he picked up a big old gym he could hawk to make money to bet on the doggies, or the ponies, or even the blowies? (laughs) He thrusted his hand into his overcoat pocket and found his old blue see-through beeper. There was a message from Kayla Hunter on it from an hour ago. He'd check it later. What really caught him off guard was a small black business card where the gym was supposed to be. Maybe he misremembered that as well. Nothing else was coming to him. He turned the card over in his hand and squinted at the gold press lettering on one side of it. Indrid called, he read out loud to himself, looking over the card for any other info. On the other side of it was an address. 1313 Mockingbird Lane... Whitesville, (laughs) Connecticut. He stared at the card for a minute, turning it over in his hand as if to search for even the slightest clue beyond the text imprinted on it. Something about it seemed so deeply familiar that he couldn't turn away with it. So he he pulled down the window and hucked it the fuck out of the bus. (laughs) What the fuck? He slumped back into his seat, turning his head slightly to look out the window. He imagined Sonic the Hedgehog running alongside for a couple minutes. Then the exhaustion of whatever the fuck he had gone through in the past however many days finally began to slowly overtake him. He fell deep asleep to the hum of the bus's engine and for the first time in many, many months had not a single nightmare. Elsewhere, the acolytes of the third birth remained undaunted. There would always be another blood moon. The end. What? Pavlov Flinch will return in the Baltese Falcon. 
god. I don't think I've said anything for like 20 minutes. I know. <laughs> I think I, cl- gotcha, like, I closed my eyes for a second. I was like, <clears throat> I, I was trying too hard to listen. It's, Dude, it's so good. There's so much that just happened. Like, I, I want to join this cult, first of all. The Acolytes <sighs> of the Third Birth. <laughs> the third, that's so gross. I want to be one of Indrid Cold's uh, little gang. <laughs> yeah, I want to know who those dudes are. Uh, they, well, of course they'll appear in future stories. One of them's a big yeah, foot. Yeah, be. Uh, good eye. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to miss, because he's eight foot tall. Indeed, eight foot tall and hairy, to the point yeah. where you can't see his face. The other guy is yep. also something, mm. although I didn't give too much away this time about him. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I wasn't, yeah. I'll tell you when we're not recording. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> But yeah, that so ends the um, first saga phase. of the Blood Moon. Yeah. The first phase. That's a good oh, way to put good. it. Yeah, we're doing Marvel shit now. <laughs> huh? Phase of the Moon? Yeah, for, oh, nice. The first phase of the Blood Moon? The waxing phase. Uh, I'm going to, of course, go back to more self-contained stories for a little bit. Although I'm going to miss Pavlov Flinch. I, I love him. In a way that you kind of like, you love someone. But you want them at arm's length. <laughs> I'm right here. Oh no! It all finally comes to the surface. Well, I want I want you at arm's length because you you're still a fucking plague monkey. Hey, oh, hey! I'm better now. We don't know. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pavlov Flinch will return. Kayla Hunter will return. Uh. Indrid Cold will return, and the Acolytes of the Third Birth will return. I'm hoping. I want one of those masks, at least. Do they sell them in the gift shop? <laughs> you have to cut it off the face of an inhuman thing found in a subterranean silver city, I think. Man, I can't wait till like, uh, Disney opens up the Blood Moon cult park so I can go get some Blood Moon well, merch. I think we found our per- first bit of merch, haven't we? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> A cult the acolytes of the third birth merch. I love that. I love that she, uh, Kayla, phoned the police, and it's kind of like my first thought was, "What the fuck are you phoning the police for?" Yeah, well, they're, they're in there. Do. They're in there. They've got hoods on. Yeah, yeah they're for sure yeah. part of the cult. But like, yeah, they're in She it, knew. Yeah. Uh, she saw earlier that there was no signal, yeah. so she knew what was going to happen when she dialed nine one one. Yeah, I like that. It's like a nexus, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's like nothing in and out of it. That's I love that shit. Very Eldritch. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I went Eldritch this time. Somebody, uh, they didn't mean anything by this at all. They were they were like, if you don't mind uh, a lot of body horror every episode, you should listen to this podcast. And I was like, oh, shit, I am like a one-trick pony. I'm always like, oh, well, some gross shit um, happens. No. We grew up in the 80s when yeah. that was like horror. Like, that was just called horror, like, some right? Some gross like, shit happens yeah. to a person's body and you fucking hate it and it scares you. Yeah. But was, this time I, I went mean, much more cosmic. Also, like, the flamingos did some heinous shit to that car bat, and then um, <laughs> I, yeah. I had Grissom Grace blow a hole through a man and then chuck a samurai sword through it to impale another person. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, like, I think body horror is um, uh, uh, not exactly mutually inclusive. That's probably true. There was there was a little bit of body horror with the thing in the tent mm-hmm. and the mask, but otherwise it was all... There are average. some... 
There are some similarities with our stories. Oh Jeff. yeah, it's it's one of those. Is, is there a mask and an autopsy in your story? <laughs> There's a mask. There's sort of a mask. I kind of phoned that mm. one in, but <laughs> I mean, he was the dude was wearing it like a mask. It wasn't really a mask. We yeah, we right? all wear masks. Oh, That's right. I see. Mm. You phoned it in too. Mm. I see. <laughs> I'm really Batman. I don't call myself Bruce Wayne. That's how it works. And the, all the text in the dream was backwards, so I know it was a dream. Yeah. Should we take a break? I believe so. I need a break to fill out my uh, application for the blood mm-hmm. cult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to take a Join break. up the acolytes of the third birth today. That, well, at least Josh, we now need you know, your blood. Now you know what to put in the ad break. Bye, see you in a minute. and eldritch horrors uh we... <laughs> it's interesting you went robot because i went specific very genre specific there and you picked yes. sci-fi <laughs> i am a robot i am a robot goblin from hell <laughs> give me all your gold uh, uh yeah okay we're back um jeff uh jo- no josh you're up Jeff, don't it's go again. Turn. It would be terrible to go again. Don't <laughs> don't bogart the whole show. Yeah, look, I already took forty eight minutes of the show up. I think that's enough. It's all right. That's that's totally fine. I'm I'm next. I think right. Yeah. Yeah, you me. are. All right. All right. My story is called Jane Doe number six 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 four twenty sixty nine. Nice. <laughs> the nights in Daranos were long. Longer than my totally real giant <laughs> peener. They were also dark. Darker than my totally real big black cave that I often sit in and cry. Manly tears. You know, tears for fallen brothers in combat or because it's 1am and I haven't started my story for Bros Before Pros yet. <laughs> but mostly manly tears. The cave is dark, my friends. Outside of Daranos' main city walls, safety was not to be found. To be fair, inside the walls, safety was often not to be found. <laughs> like that time Gliberty Trunkle, a local blobbit, tried to set her pubes on fire in protest of the Daranosian voting height limit. <laughs> you must be at least this tall to vote and ride the donkeys, said all the signs over the city. <laughs> Needless to say, Gliberty burnt down much of the city of Cazadoodle. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> And is where the term fire crotch originated. But anyway. 
Out in the forest, anything could happen at any time. Monsters crept through the woods at night and did whatever the fuck they wanted. Cut purses were ever present, and they'd steal your gold faster than they stole your mama's sweet coochie loot last night. Coochie loot. <laughs> coochie loot double O or coochie loot U-T-E? I mean, I can't use a U-T-E because that's trademarked by the coochie loot company. <laughs> <laughs> the best loots in Theranos. <laughs> The fairies of brownies all were carefully to, all were careful to hide away in their little tree or mushroom houses or whatever whimsical fucking bullshit they like to live in. <laughs> Merc monks didn't dare shout out of their tiny windows for fear of what they may bring a calling. Plus, their son has swim lessons in the morning, and if he doesn't get a good sixteen hours of sleep, you know how cranky he gets. <laughs> The only creatures stirring late in the night were usually those up to no good. Except for the Night Scrub Brothers. (laughs) Night Scrub Brothers? The Night Scrub Brothers. Artleby and Galem Night Scrub were wood elves. But unlike their other kin, they did not spend time in trees doing elf stuff like eating leaves or putting moss in their pantaloons because who the fuck's gonna stop them? No. These two brothers owned a small cottage where they ran their business. What was their business? Well, anything and everything. No questions asked. Some say they were grave robbers, and others say they were... Well, they say they were grave robbers, too, but they did other things. (laughs) Galen was a practiced alchemist, and Arnold was good at, like, digging and filling in holes. (laughs) A pretty good skill to have when your cottage is in the middle of nowhere and nobody is around to ask questions like, where is my dead uncle's body? Or, why do you have a stack of severed feet next to your firewood? Or, hey, gravedigger elf, why aren't you as cool as the monster truck gravedigger? Oh, man. That's an unfair comparison, though. It's an impossible standard. Art! yelled Galem from a dank basement. Art! Bring me the raw leech cum! I need to seal up this nasty wound. Art fumbled down the wooden ladder that served as a bobo as stairs to the basement, <laughs> tripping at the final leg due to hi- due to he being on his final leg. He lost his leg, and now a wooden stump replaced the space where his other favorite leg once was. <laughs> but why wasn't he a pirate? Jesus, not everyone with one leg and one eye and one hand has to be a pirate. You see any oceans around these woods? Get your shit together, you fucking racists. <laughs> fucking pirate racists? Yeah. It's rampant in these times. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you are, brother, Art said, handing Galem a vial of nasty-ass leech jizz. On the table next to him lay an unconscious orc with a gash over his eye. Green blood was oozing out of the wound, which was already beginning to stink of decay. Art held back a gag as the smell hit his elfish nostrils. <laughs> Elves could smell as keenly as dogs, some have said. But if you ask me, I'd rather have an elf hump my leg any day of the week. <laughs> I, for- I forgot I wrote like half of this. <laughs> Galem thumbed the cork of the vial and slowly poured the yellowish fluid over the orc's cut. Immediately, the bleeding was slowed as the leech seed <laughs> began to coagulate into the cut and sizzled as it killed any germs and any last shred of dignity this orc ever had <laughs> since he just got money-shotted by a vial of leech cum like it was spring break at the degenerate camp. 
All right, wake him up, Galen commanded Art. Oi, wake up, Art shouted in the orc's ear hole. Not that way, you idiot. Use the salts, Galen said as he slapped Art's arm and pointed to the cabinet. Art fumbled over to the cabinet and took out a jar that said, Boner salts. <laughs> <clears throat> he held the jar under the orc's nostrils until he shot up awake with the hugest boners his six dicks ever did have. <laughs> That'll be five gold, Glonk, my boy, Galen said, holding out his hand expectedly. Here's a tenner, the orc said as he ran his hand over <laughs> Galen seductively. <laughs> as he made his way out, he turned around and winked. The boner salts had kicked it. had kicked the fuck in. <laughs> we need more jobs, Galem said as he put the gold into it. His boar bank labeled Galem's money sign, money sign, cool S. <laughs> cool S. Hell yeah. <laughs> we could always make a trip to the late night body dispensary, Art said, waggling his eyebrows. Nah, the townies are getting suspicious. I sold old Mrs. Gumbrow back her dead husband's <laughs> wedding band. I don't think she noticed on account of her being a complete moron. But we gotta keep a low profile out here, Artie. Suddenly, a loud thud was heard upstairs on the large wooden front door. Come quick, a child's voice yelled. The two brothers rushed up the ladder and opened the door. There stood little Chili Wiggins. <laughs> <laughs> a troll boy who lived down on Clump Lane. <laughs> you guys, Chili said out of breath. You guys want to see a cool dead body? He wheezed out. <laughs> Art and Galen followed Chili down to the river. The riverbed was as dry as your mama's coochie loop. <laughs> Nobody could remember a time when the river or your mama had been so dry. Not in recent memory, anyway. <laughs> Look, Chili pointed down into the dry river. A cool dead naked lady. <laughs> down in the river lay the most beautiful elven goddess anyone had ever seen. This, of course, was before all sea ball porn. So seeing a naked lady alive or dead was a newsworthy event. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the moon shone off her pale white skin, almost reflecting it back in iridescent flecks. Like her skin was crystal. Her hair was short but golden. For the sake of respecting the dead, let's just say she was a solid New York 12. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you give me for it? Chili said, holding out his hand. <laughs> How about I don't tell your mama you're down here at night practicing your necromancy, Galem said, <laughs> kicking Chili in the butt. Now get out of here! Aww, <laughs> Chili said, kicking a rock down in the riverbed. I was hoping I could practice some alchemy or maybe even necrophilia with you guys. Oh. No, no, it's necromancy. You know, get out of here, Caleb. Yelled. <laughs> Thud. <laughs> Thud. Fucking Chili Wiggins. Get the fuck out chili of here. Wiggins. Get out of here. <laughs> the body was heavier than it looked. It slumped down onto the basement workshop table. Sh should we look for gold teeth? Art question. Ah, no point. Light elves don't get cavities, Galen replied. <laughs> he covered the body with a dirty tarp and wondered what they were going to do with this creature. I wonder how she died. Art stared into her closed eyes. It was like she was sleeping. Her body wasn't stiff from rigor, nor was it even cold. She should have been she should she couldn't have been dead long. Well, Galen said, breaking the silence. <laughs> As the town's official gravediggers and unofficial coroners, I, per I say we perform an autopsy. 
Okay, but why would anyone want a body with our signatures on it? Besides, I can't even read all good, Art said like an idiot. No! We cut the body open and see how she died, Caleb said firmly. Okay, should we sterilize ourselves and put on masks, Art said. Caleb and Art looked at each other and finally both began to howl with laughter. <laughs> ah, man, wear a mask, Caleb finally spat out, wiping a tear from tear of laughter from his eye. Good one, brother. This is too real <laughs> to the real world. Yep, this is too real. Hours passed as they readied for the makeshift basement surgery. Hatchets and bone saws and all kinds of pokey and proddy little metal spikes were laid out. Galem took a large, sharp knife and slit open the and slit the corpse open down the chest, making a large Y-shaped cut. He spread her skin o- off over the ribs. As he as he did, he saw the bone cage glisten in the candlelight. Whoa! Art said, stunned. Her bones—they're gold. <laughs> yes. Oh Caleb shit! Agreed. <laughs> He took a large uh, plier and gripped one of the ribs. With all his might, he tried to pry the bone out of the cage, but it didn't move. It didn't even scuff. This was like some kind of hard-as-fuck gold. <laughs> <laughs> I was really good on the adjectives. <laughs> I've heard legends of light elves who are truly ancient having bones like this. When they would get really, really old, their bones would turn into into precious metals. They were said to be unkillable. At least, like, really hard to kill. <laughs> but Gale, Art thought for a second, which was longer than he had ever th- done before. <laughs> <laughs> she can't be old. She's not stiff. And I mean, she might not be stiff, but I sure am. Look at her. She's a fucking Grawl 13. Oh and that's what her chest skin flapped over his eyes. <laughs> Jesus. I know, Galem sighed. Let's, we need some help with this one. Let's get some shut-eye and wait until morning and try to find out where this came from. Art and Galem washed their hands in dirty water and as the now, uh, that was now golden with blood. uh, As the blood solidified, it slowly turned into flecks of gold. They slowly blew out the candles in the workshop. The room became dark. A draft blew through the window. As they approached the ladder upstairs, a loud thud was heard. The two brothers stopped dead in their tracks. Eyes as wide as your mama's booty hole last night. (laughs) (laughs) They slowly turned their heads back toward the body. Thud! Hey, boys, a voice from upstairs shouted. Sorry for the late night delivery, but here's those giant stones you ordered to, quote, keeping secrets where they should be kept down in the swamp, said the voice. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably asleep, so I'll just leave these giant stones on the cellar door. Boom, boom. <laughs> no, the brothers yelled in unison. But it was too late. Old Trog, the local delivery ogre, had his eyeball phonographs in his ears and couldn't hear them. He whistled as he walked out the door. (laughs) The two brothers looked at each other, one afraid, one annoyed. Great, now we're stuck down here, Galem said, pissy like a bitch. (laughs) What what if we starve to death? Art said, beginning to freak out like a little bitch. (laughs) Quiet, Galen said, slapping his brother across the face. We have plenty of food down here. Besides, we can all seaball someone to teleport us out of here in the morning. We'll sleep on the cots we put the patients on. You get the bloody one, Galem said, taking the clean cot. <laughs> After a while, the, na- the night became quiet. Like, really quiet. 
<laughs> Nothing could be heard outside. The only sound was Art snoring. Galem tossed the face toward the still open cadaver on the table in the center of the room. Stupid Art. Stupid deviated septum. Stupid snoring. <laughs> stupid ogre. Art let out a loud snore and then a fart and then giggled to himself in his sleep. <laughs> Galem settled back down and adjusted the blanket over himself. His eyes fell on the beautiful creature on the table. Sleep began to tape, take him as his eyes closed slowly, slowly, slowly. Just as he was about to go back to sleep, he saw it. The tarp. It moved. Galem's, Galem's eyes shot wide open, now more awake than he, if he had gone on a giggle dirt bender. Did, <laughs> did the tarp move? Nah, he was just sleeping. He was seeing things. He readjusted his position and again tried to will himself back to sleep. Slowly, 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 his eyes got heavier until finally sleep. Bang! Galem's eyes shot open again. Okay, what the fuck was that? <laughs> he looked over to the table and saw the body was still there. Exploding head syndrome? Yeah, that was it. But wait, he thought. <laughs> he there he saw it. A pristine, beautiful, manicured, feminine, elfish hand. But the tarp was over the whole body. No, he was sl asleep and he was dreaming this. Wake up, he demanded of himself, but he could not move. Not at all, not physically. Galem re reset his eyes back on the now exposed hand. It twitched. Galem gasped. Fear crept into his throat. Slowly, like acid, it burned its way up to his vocal cords. When it reached, it seemed to burn the scream right out of his lungs. Ooh, nice. <laughs> the hand twitched again. Galem felt piss swell in his balls. <laughs> Not so nice. <laughs> so poetic. It's a double-edged sword in this, in this show. Slowly the hand began to move more freely. Galem was still paralyzed with fear, or maybe a spell. It didn't matter. He was not moving. And when and when every atom in his bottom said and when every atom in his bottom said, Get the fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> the hand stiffened itself and made like a claw. A beautiful hand now stiffened to the point where the bones were visible, and that's when it rotated. Not in a natural way all a being's hand would turn, but counterclockwise on the joint. The sound of cracking and scraping metal muted only by a thin layer of the softest skin anyone had ever touched. The hand turned and turned and turned. It went around 360 degrees, then slowly it raised a lone middle finger at Galo. <laughs> <laughs> like the hand saw him. Finally, Galem let out a scream. At this, the body lurched upward, sitting upright like it was alive. Shut up, Galem! I'm eating the cake! Art said in his sleep. <laughs> the corpse mechanically moved its head toward the two brothers. Stiff, quick movements, like a cartwheel that had been seized up and been greased. There, the head jutted toward Galem, its eyes still closed. The body wrenched itself upward again, like it was stretching off a thousand years of sleep. Its arm moved robotically, its spine contracted and expanded. The tarp now falling to the floor, the body rose off the table. Galem was now fully piss-pants terrified. <laughs> the corpse walked toward him as if frames of reality had been deleted. It moved so unnaturally, yet smoothly, that reality itself began to melt around Galem, just like the corpse, corpse's once amazing breasts now melted off the corpse like wax from a burning candle. 
<laughs> it's the inside of the body. Red light emanated from the chest cavity. The red light slowly throbbed up into the neck and then into the head until from behind each closed eye, Galen could see only two red dots. Then the eyes slowly opened. The dots were now beams of red piercing into Galen's brain. The right eye melted out of the socket like a Hershey kiss in a kid's pocket on a summer day. (laughs) (laughs) Terrifying. Golden viscous liquid ran down the once beautiful cheek like a tear. What what the fuck are you? Galen finally got the courage to ask. The corpse wheezed and sputtered like it was adjusting a gear. Old, it finally said. (laughs) I am old. More of the flesh was melted off the body now. The smell of burnt hair and metal and skin was finally enough to wake uh, to to wake Art. Who burnt the cake? He yelled to himself. (laughs) Awake, and then a little girl, and then he screamed like a little girl's scream so high pitched that a glass broke in a Merc Monk's house. But like I said before, he wasn't about to. He wasn't going to yell about some some shit. Oh my god! Okay, hold on. Like I said before, he wasn't going to yell about some some of that shit. Uh, some shit was going down that night, and my dude wanted no part of it. <laughs> Give me your light," said the corpse. "Give me your light. Give me your light. Give me your light." It repeated. Suddenly, every candle in the workshop lit up ten times brighter than seemed possible. The smell of burning flesh and metal now mixed with the smell of burning wood as the candles lit the cottage aflame. Art and Galen, finally finding an ounce of courage, ran for the cellar door. They pounded on it. They begged it to open. They knew it was futile. Give me your light, the being said again and again. Art and Galen's fingers bled raw from scratching at the door. Lines of blood and nail and skin carved into the wood. (laughs) They didn't even feel feel it as the panic and fear overrid any sense of pain. Their very bones scraping away splinter by splinter the door that lay between them and whatever this horror was. Finally, the flesh had all fallen to the floor. Now stood a golden skeleton of meat and sinew. (laughs) From within, a hissing and chittering sound of gears. Fuck it, man. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> from wait, wait. from within, the hissing and chittering and sound of gears clanging could be heard. The red lights now moved down, uh, down what was left of the throat into what was left of the chest. With whirring power, it pried open the fourth and fifth rib. Long golden legs reached out. Eight of them. <laughs> the end. Holy <laughs> shit! Post credit. Post credit narration. <laughs> <clears throat> Some say the brothers had a feud and burned down their own cottage down in an burned their own cottage down in an argument. It was the talk of the town for a while. Of course, that didn't explain the hole that was left in the ground. It also didn't explain where their bodies were. Sure, the fire could destroy them, but. That's one hot fire, and the brothers didn't have a smelt. In reality, it's probable their hearts exploded from fear, saving them from whatever fate that thing had in store from them. Or not. (laughs) Double the end. That was super spooky. You didn't know that we were releasing on Halloween. (laughs) I didn't. But I've been watching a shitload of Halloween shit, so that makes sense. Yeah, That was so good. 
scary movies. I'm glad I, I'm glad I decided to do the horror movie, the horror show, TV show intro guy this episode for the yeah <laughs> ten cent price also known um, as the law master <laughs> we got reese's the wise we got ten cent price <laughs> <laughs> there's um there i think our stories i, I mean i know i think this is going to be as close to uh all our stories being very similar as we're going to get yeah oh I yeah think. this uh obviously the season is uh, upon us Yes. Spooky. That was really so good. This, this plays, this is like a part of like where my thing's going mm-hmm. to. Like it fits in with what's going on. It's oh, good. Yeah, holy shit. Yeah. I, and I just kind of don't want to do like a one-off. Like, I don't know. I've been watching Unsolved Mysteries mm-hmm. and like, I kind of wanted there to be like a what happened to these dudes thing, you know? They got I love Chili Wiggins. Chili. Yeah, Chili Wiggins. Chili Wiggins is... could fuck off. I want that. <laughs> He's a troublemaker. <laughs> Fucking Flinch Jr., little bastard. Um, the, the, like, golden corpse spider is yeah. uh, pretty horrific. Pretty good horror monster. Well, I know you don't like spiders, no, so... I don't. I thought it was Cricket but... Man for a second, but I guess... <laughs> yeah, I thought it was Cricket Man. That's two no, stories in a row man. that he could have come in. We want people to listen to this show. We don't want to freak them out with too much cricket, man. Yeah. They might die of fright. Yeah, the new hot cryptid cricket, man. You know, I I think we could probably get that going if we just like made enough Reddit posts about it and shit. Like, yeah, we just have to like, man. Yeah, pretend we saw cricket, man. Yeah. And they'd be like, "What does this dude have to do with being a cricket?" No, Shut, up. Know. Shut up. That's what. That's what he said. His name was. Fuck you. Shut he really up. likes cricket. <laughs> he's he's from England. He's an exchange cryptid. Give him a chance. Dude loves cricket. Oh, oh man, that's good. Well, now I can stop talking. So that's good. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm a big I'm fan of the fact that your story was exactly uh, one half as long as my shitty <laughs> long exactly ass story. In. No, <laughs> your story was amazing. Thank you. Your uh, story was fucking amazing. Grotesque no, no. as shit. Talking about no. some great body horror. Yeah, I was uh like the thing ish, mm-hmm. a little bit Absolute, of the thing. The thing going is on. my favorite horror movie, yeah. so I was definitely on board. Yeah. I remember being totally like totally terrified of the thing and the fly. Like when he turns oh, into yeah. the fly. Because it's Christ. physical effects. Physical yeah. effects are so much more viscerally scary. Yeah. Even if they're even if you can see the strings, they're still more scary than it's like still CGI scary. bullshit. Yeah. Like I a... remember when he when he holds the gun up to his head when yeah. Gina Davis says that that fucking that like destroyed me I, yeah. like i didn't understand that as a kid i was like what the fuck <laughs> like when the when the thing head becomes the spider like the, yeah. the entire thing movie has this like genuine otherworldly grotesqueness to all of the physical yeah. effects they're all wet yeah. and they're all pulsating and shit I, uh, for me you it's just the don't dogs. get that with cg no, the you dog, don't. Yeah. The dog with the sort of spindly tentacles that are like oh, popping yeah. out of it. Yeah, yeah it's just uh, yeah. so fucking wrong. And those yeah. dogs, are, those dogs are properly freaked out in that scene because yeah. they don't fucking know what's going on. And it adds like, so the much fuck? to it. It's like when humans see the human monster things. Yeah. The yeah. dogs are doing yeah. the same thing. What the fuck, Jim? Yeah. 
The dogs have their own cricket man now. Oh my god. <laughs> cricket man's everywhere these days. <laughs> he's so hot right Ever now. since the Hot Topic <laughs> partnership with Cricket Man, he's everywhere. <laughs> Go to Spencer's and get your Cricket Man outfit. We're, we're expanding the Cricket Man uh, bedroom accoutrement. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! Your cricket man alarm clock that chirps at you in the morning. <laughs> Grotesque sluicing meat and bone noises, but it also chirps. Yep. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! <laughs> Give me your light. That's what it says. Give me your light. light. <laughs> yeah. <Yep>. Things scary <laughs> as fuck, Josh. Good job. Yeah, A plus, well, dude. Thank you. Thank you. When did you? Uh, Honest talk. When did you finish writing yeah. that? Uh two thirty. <laughs> Today? No, uh no, no, no. Last night. This okay. morning. Two thirty in the morning, which is today. I, so um when you said <laughs> chili wiggins, I was like, I sent this motherfucker a Ralph Wiggum um gif last night. Oh, is that why <laughs> maybe I didn't think about it was that. Subconscious. But, you know, yeah, maybe. It was there in your brain. Right. Yep. We're gonna take a break and we'll be right back. Are you sure? It is. It is all right. All right. It's just been a long day, okay? It's been a long day. <laughs> all right, um, kids. <laughs> Nobody wants to get fired here. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> I don't fucking know. My episode is called The Mask of Flayed Ball. What? That's you, awesome. Excuse me? What? Like the Mas- masquerade ball. Yeah, but flayed at the end. Oh the mask. I'm now imagining a flayed testicle. <laughs> We're not going that way. Uh, what about flayed perennial? <laughs> <laughs> Last one of the night, Mortician Carjo sighed as he brought in the black shiny hover pod with the latest victim inside. He was tired. It had been a longer shift than that time when a gigantic met- sentient mech had taken... Oh shit! Had mistaken the ringed blue raven asteroid base of Draken Free for a giant metallic vagina. <laughs> Damn! Oh, Happens once every thousand or so years. <laughs> Rest in peace to everyone aboard. <laughs> Rest in jizz. Same deal. Readout says classic space asphyxiation. This is the six desiccated crew Admiral Ivy salvage teams have brought aboard this month. Mortician <laughs> Rhinox. Note to self, to check later and definitely before reading live, is this a Pokemon? <laughs> uh, that's a Transformer, though. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> a Beast Wars Transformer. Mortician Rhinox pulled a gold filling from the dead man he had been performing the autopsy on and rubbed his grey, crinkled forehead. Are they trying to get caught? They need to start simulating other reasons for death. A hyperdrive breach or a laser fight. Or a telepathically transmitted STI or something. <laughs> Maybe is that a thing? 
It is now. Shit. Maybe Garland Blue Balls or Black Hole Naria or <laughs> or the Milky Way Mud Dumpers. Oh, <laughs> oh God! Something Jesus. like that. Carjo straightened, all the blood draining from his face. Don't criticise the Admiral's methods. Don't you know what happened to the last guy? Rhinox fought for a second, wiping his bloody scalpel down his scrubs and pushing the finished body into the slab in the wall. Was that the one that became a plastic surgeon because he wanted to work on sweet cans all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, Dr Funbags did leave of his own accord, Carjo nodded. (laughs) Dr Funbags! But I meant Dr Dijkstra. She started to query the Blue Ravens and then she vanished pretty quick. Yeah, she went off to get those sweet chesticles from Doc Funbags. (laughs) (laughs) Rhinox shook his head, annoyed by the young colleague. No, the one before. The two morticians stopped talking and stared at each other as a sudden thudding began to emanate from the hover pod Carjo had just brought in. Oh, fuck. Rhinox investigated the side panel of the pod and shrugged, the status bar showing nothing abnormal, no life signs. The thudding became more intense, more rhythmic. A small pounding on the inside. Idiots must have sent us a defective pod. It'll stink to high heavens in there. He hit the release and then bent down as a gust of stale air as violent as a Taco Bell fart hissed from the open pod. (laughs) (laughs) My God, it smells like sweaty socks in there. Suddenly a white sports sock jutted from the opening to come face to seam with the slack-jawed doctor. Who are you calling sweaty, you pasty-faced lizard? Hey! (laughs) A throbbing hum sounded from the pod and a red, luminous sword shot from inside to create a kebab of the Doctor. The blade going in and out of each ear and presumably going through his brain. He's an alien I just made up. His brain could be in his butt for all you know. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be xenophobic, Hajoki. And you think it's bad out there, butt brain. See, it's law now. Don't question it. (laughs) Try being inside here with him for eight hours. Oh, wait, you can't answer, you're dead. A woman sighed as she pushed the lid off the pod she'd been lying in. She wore a fox kabuki mask over the upper half of her face and a dark bodysuit lined with crimson edging. In her free hand, she held the katana made of crackling raw red energy that thrummed in a low drone. On her other hand, the sports sock stood proud. Carjo had heard of these two. The ex-Blue Raven salvager Tammy Asanto and her sock companion Captain Hijoki of the Clan of the Platonic Blades. He he thought expositionally. (laughs) He thought expositionally. Amazing. As she swung her legs out of the pod and walked towards Carjo, he backed up on his hands and knees, crawling away as fast as he could. Hold on there, bucko, the woman said as she took a step forward before her momentum abruptly halted. The sword was stuck in the late mortician's cranium, the flesh cauterised and stuck to the energy blade, and she was struggling, struggling, dragging his weight across the floor. Head, girl, the head! The sock on her hand seemed to be annoyed. <laughs> We've got a good entrance going here. The woman, pulled, <laughs> the woman pulled a smaller blade from her belt and hacked at the dead man's neck repeatedly, great fountains of grey blood sluicing from the growing oh, wound as she yeah. chopped through with a series of sickening hacks. Uh, Ah, sluicing, yeah. blood. (laughs) Had a good entrance, the sock shook its head. Look, look, it's tough, all right? She hissed at her own hand. 
I don't have the upper body strength, and this guy's neck is thicker than Thicky Twerklinton, the region of Round Moundonia. <laughs> You're going to kill me. I'm going to die. Her narrowed eyes set on Carjo, the mask she wore covered in a grey blood. With her three hands, she lifted the sword, the face of Dr. Rhinox staring at him. I don't particularly like grave robbers. People like you killed my parents. But you see, my pal Hijoki here was killed during a Blue Raven raid. Thankfully, Photonic Bladers can transfer their consciousness, but he could only go into this sock. As you can imagine, he's a little tetchy. Some might say, <laughs> furious as all fuck, the sock got in the mortician's face. <laughs> Where are the crew of the setting sun? Carjo started breathing heavily, knowing that the information he was about to relay was going to get him decapitated. Um, the, the Set and Sun crew were processed over a month ago. The last thing Carjo saw was the surprised face of Dr. Rhinox hurtling towards him, and then the last things he felt were warm blood leaking at his neck and warm piss leaking at his groin. Was it grey piss? <laughs> Who knows? Paint your own picture. the lore of this setting. What colour is the yeah. piss? I uh, need to know the piss colour. Like the same colour in a glow stick. Oh my oh, god. Oh wow. Wow. That dude needs to drink some water. <laughs> this is fantasy <laughs> as fuck, actually, it turns out. Damn, he's a predator. Listen, Hajoki, I know you're gonna be pissed, Tamiya started as she took her kabuki mask off and wiped the blood spatters on her suit. They had discussed whether the use of the mask was cultural appropriation, but Hajoki had decided that <laughs> since they shared the same body effectively, that she was kinda mixed species. <laughs> <laughs> do us both a favor favor and put the mask back on will you the sock samurai master whispered trying to contain his rage and his garment shape i don't <laughs> want to talk about it hunkering down tamia grabbed the chin of the man she had just half decapitated and lifted his dead gaze as she did the guy's tongue flopped from the vent in his neck she put, oh. she put a thumb on his chin and moved his mouth like a puppet. This, this is funny. <laughs> hey, Hajoki, Tamia said in a rough mix of Bobcat Goldthwaite and an actual Bobcat. Oh my God. <laughs> I see you're awful down in the dumps. Why don't you tell me what's wrong? <laughs> Damn you, Tamia. You know I can't resist gore-based comedy. Hijoki <laughs> turned towards her. Gods, he looks like a Pez dispenser. Oh, wow. It had been 16 months since they had joined, and eight of those had been damn hard work. Hijoki had thought that Tamiya would have grown tired, in by, tired of him by now, would have discarded him at the first charity clothes drive she could, and left him to become <laughs> either a third-rate handkerchief, or worse, a wanking sock. Oh. <laughs> a third-rate wanking sock. <laughs> but Tammy Asanto was a good kid, with boundless energy and drive and endless optimism. But that was the entire damn problem. Hijoki had lost his entire clan to the Blue Ravens and their overlord, the Technomancer. He was angry every second of every day, and his chief companion in the universe was essentially a puppy who woke up each day as if she'd found the largest, juiciest cartoon bone. <laughs> You get used to it. <laughs> I'm just trying to cheer you up, pal. Tamiya dropped the dead dude's head as if it were a discarded candy wrapper and stood. We'll find them. All of them. If you transferred your consciousness into this sock, then there's a good chance some of the others transferred theirs too. Hijoki smiled. Well, his seam turned up at the ends because socks can't really smile. But when he, sp 
But when he spoke, none of the happiness carried over to his voice. We'll see, kiddo. I know I can't take this for much longer. You're telling me, Tamia smirked. These fingers haven't seen sunlight in a year and a half. My hand probably looks as shriveled as an octogenarian's cock by now. Oh, oh. wow. There's the body horror. <laughs> <laughs> a cough came from inside one of the slabs on the side of the mortuary wall, and Hijoki lunged towards it, pulling Tamia quickly to her feet. They yanked the steel drawer open to find a dead young woman, already blue-tinged by the blood drain. Another cough, and the two realised it came from a small stuffed grail worm key ring she held in her limp left hand. The worm had been badly damaged, its stuffing poking from its gut. Clear? Hijoki whispered. The worm opened its eyes and smiled fondly as Tamiya picked her up in a delicate grip. Hijoki, I hoped you'd come. Hijoki lowered to the small toy. What happened, Clear? The small toy coughed and small pieces of fluff floated out of her. She didn't have long left. <laughs> this is adorable. They overrode the security systems and sucked the oxygen out. We had to soul transfer into the closest thing to hand. Her head tilted to one side, her eyes closing. Clear! Hijoki shouted to her, her eyes opening once more. Who did this? Do you know what happened to Tarrell? Clear opened her eyes wide and gestured towards a poster on the mortuary's far wall. Apparently, the Blue Raven's annual end-of-tax-year masquerade party was in two days' time, <laughs> with live music from Amorphous Blob Dylan. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Rich. <laughs> oh, my God. You're on fire today, dude. And a potluck dinner. No Denebrian blood leech tacos this time, please. <laughs> <laughs> but clear. What happened to Tarrell? The jokey said as he turned back to find Tamia laying the worm toy back down to her former body. I'm sorry, Hijoki, she's gone. Who's... She closed the metal drawer respectfully and turned to the sock on her hand. Who's Tarrell? Hijoki turned slowly towards the poster again. They would pay, all of them. Yes, the Blue Ravens would soon be having a pot unluck dinner. Yes! <laughs> she was my daughter. <gasps> oh no! <clears throat> The, the building was heavily fortified, with two burly-looking security droids at the front entrance, deep in conversation. I'm telling you, Antonio, but I think I'm going human. Last night, <laughs> I thought I dreamed. <laughs> Let me guess, Gino, but was it an electric sheep? Tony Bot, <laughs> Tony Bot said, not really interested as he was performing a level 2 diagnostic. <laughs> Don't reinforce them stereotypes. It makes me open the agita files. <laughs> The Agita Files! Oh my god. I means, yeah, it was, but how do you explain this body hair? He turned, displaying a patch of flesh and burnt hair on his rear side. That's not body hair, you gabagool bot. <laughs> That's the scalp of that carbon baser you disintegrated last Tuesday. It stuck to your back unit. Tony Bot gave him a dismissive wave. Genobot lifted a claw to give a robo version of the Italian hand. Uses a back unit. <laughs> um, excuse me, a masked young woman cleared her throat and stood waiting in front of them, her hand buried in her clutch bag, rummaging for something. She was dressed in a figure-hugging gown with a split at the thigh, and if Tony Bot was a human, his eye servos might have popped out on stalks and rotated. Instead, he was a robot, and his eyes popped out and rotated for servicing purposes. <laughs> Practical design. <laughs> You's got an invitation? Tony Bot asked. The woman still rummaged in her bag. I'm really sorry, this bag is really impractical. 
deep underscore side dot wave. Gino bot said. <laughs> <laughs> what did you go into my fucking files and look at the names? <laughs> the woman let the clutch drop to the floor to reveal a sock holding the hilt of a laser sword. Before either of the bots could ask what she was doing, the tube ignited at one end to, uh, at one end into a laser katana and cut Tony Bot's head clean off his frame. Don't cease my functions. I've got a partnered unit and four subroutines, Tony, uh, Gino Bot pleaded. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. He was on his knees, small drops of lubricant running down his faceplate. Well, you could... Hijoki mumbled, the sword hilt buried in his mouth. <laughs> That's amazing. The droid looked confused and tilted his head to one side. What was that? Lifting the sword high above her head, the young woman smiled. He said, well, let's hope you updated to the cloud, you punk-ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so many catchphrases. <laughs> As the robot's head rolled to a stop by Tamiya's feet, she brought Hijoki up to her face and gave him a hard stare. Last chance, buddy. We can always back out. Hijoki almost balled himself up in anger. Just because I'm tied to your wrist, don't assume you know me, Tamiya. Santo stopped dead in her tracks. Of course I know you, you jackass. I know you like being in the dryer. You like it when I use the lint roller on you. <laughs> no, we're not family. We're not friends, he spat back, his fury threatening to pull him apart. We were thrown together through murder and happenstance. This mission is mine. They slaughtered my people. My whole family. She sneered, his words stinging her. They killed my parents. They tried to kill me too. And I'm sorry for that. He should feel bad, but the thought of Tarrell's killers paying for their crimes was all too consuming. But three lives are nothing compared to genocide. She stood, wiping the oil from the blade and not making eye contact with her sock puppet. She suspected... He suspected she might be crying. Hijoki, I'm going to pretend you didn't just gloss over my whole family being murdered and remember you're angry and have a history of singular focus. Don't patronise <laughs> me, kid. He had come too far now and hoped this anger would fuel her rage as well. After this, I'm done. We're done. Nothing matters but this. Fine, whatever you say, she said coldly. Let's do this. Inside, the sound system blared electropunk metal and everyone wore leather. It was as if they just discovered the Matrix for the first time, but not, <laughs> but not seen Matrix Reloaded quite yet to take the shine off the goth apple. <laughs> Too fucking real. <laughs> Seriously, there were like 100 people here and about 200 dead cows. It was obscenely dated. <laughs> Everything comes back again. <laughs> like they say, all trends come around again. But even this, this was bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> Every attendee wore a mask Each one beautiful and elegant Some had feathers, some scales They're using my clan ceremonial masks Hijoki cried Before being quieted by Tamiya's free hand Be quiet, they'll hear you In her kabuki mask and gown Tamiya looked like she could fit in But stole the red leather biker jacket Off someone's chair back to be sure she, she, blended, she blended amongst the crowd effortlessly, finding herself at the periphery of many conversations she absorbed before moving on. One set of partygoers discussed a recent raid, one increasing the reach of their salvage operations, and one group laughing callously at the dead, describing them as has-beens of a bygone era. At her waist, she felt her jokey tighten around her wrist with each laugh and each glass clinked. Gravitating towards the bar, 
Tamiya found an empty spot and leant against it, chin tucked it down to her chest. She ordered a martini because she felt like a super spy, then changed her order quick to high alcohol content Tessian vodka because she really was in need of some Dutch courage. <laughs> you want a drink? She muttered to Hajoki, not really interested if you wanted one or not. Yeah, he whispered. But there's a puddle of spilt alcohol on the bar over there. Just dip me in it and let my fibres soak it up. Gonna, I was going to say, is how does he do it? Tamia obliged, and when the guy came back with her drink and raised an eyebrow at her, she looked him dead in the eye and said, Well, maybe just wipe the bar down, dude. This is a classy place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, that hit the spot, Hijoki said after sucking up all the bar liquid. If you see a bowl of peanuts, just put me in there next. <laughs> I'm glad peanuts are still around. Glad I could help this last time, Tamia sulked, her eyes on the crowd. At the front of the room, a stage had been set up for speeches or awards or one of the hundreds of things that rich people need an elevated platform for to make themselves feel superior. <laughs> it might have been a lynching or some sort of pyramid scheme presentation. <laughs> I just wanted to say, Hijoki started, his words slightly slurred. She raised her other hand and interrupted him. Don't. We do this, then we can pretend this past year and a half never happened, just like you wanted. Hijoki looked visibly repentant. You know, for a sock. He coughed. I... The lights went out, interrupting their awkward exchange, and a drum roll sounded. Spotlights pointed to the stage where suddenly Admiral Ivy, the head of the Blue Ravens, now stood. Her mask was grand, one half polished to a mirror shine, the other a shiny gold painted eye. Wow. It can't be. Hijoki emerged from the bowl of peanuts, his mouth open with half-crushed nuts tumbling from his folds. (laughs) (laughs) Fellows, the Admiral began, a wide, almost insane smile on her face. We did it. The last nomadic transport of the clan of the Fatanic Blade is now gone. And with it, all traces of their past oppressions. It's been hard work, and that's down to you. To you, Frenick. A man in the crowd raised a glass and yelled like a frat boy, Yo, Blue Ravens five ever! (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) Josh is going to join these guys too. (laughs) Blue Ravens, Blue Ravens! And to you, Gresser. A larger woman stood on a chair, clearly inebriated. Photonic blades suck! (laughs) Damn, I don't agree with that, but okay! She fell off the chair and slammed into the floor with a sickening thud. She stood up immediately and raised her arms, one of them clearly broken. It dangled at odd angles, the bone sticking out in three places and making her appendage look like a roadkill porcupine. (laughs) But none of the attendees, nor the woman in question, seemed fazed by it. They laughed and cheered like animals, or spectators at your average sports event. Unless it's cricket, (laughs) unless it's cricket, because that's still a somewhat civilised game. (laughs) Wow. Oh, wow. Cricket man wow. wrote this, apparently. <laughs> cricket. <laughs> nice try, Cricket man. <laughs> there he is. Oh, Crab Man's here, too. <laughs> and to you, Tamiya Santo, who brought our last <gasps> prey straight to us. Damn. She turned oh, to pick no. them out at the bar, the spotlights following them. Tamiya choked on her drink as every single pair of eyes in the room turned to them slowly deliberately. Gressa waved her shattered arm at them, flopping side to side with a sick <coughs> plopping noise and spraying blood over the people to either side of her. Ugh. They didn't notice. All continued smiling their insane smiles. 
You look surprised, but that's why we held this party for you. We opened the door and you just rushed in, Hijoki. It's what you always do. So single-minded, never thinking of the consequences to anyone around you. Hijoki drools, Blue Ravens rules! One party goer yeah. shouted. <laughs> prompting hooting and hollering responses. Admiral, <laughs> Admiral Ivy nodded. Thank you, Dreenix. We do indeed rules. Brothers... <laughs> Dreenix! <laughs> rules. Brothers and sisters, we have come together for the party. Now please, enjoy the entertainment. She gestured to Tamiya, who felt an icy grip, icy hand grip her stomach. She looked down to see Hijoki huddled there. I'm sorry I was cold, he said as he looked up at her. <laughs> so fucking stupid. <laughs> Of the hundred attendees, ten surrounding them ignited ten surrounding them igniting energy swords very much like Tamiya's. Hijoki, she whispered, but he wrapped his mouth around the heel of the blade and lifted it to her other hand. When it touched her fingers, he ignited it. She took her last mouthful of the spirit left in the glass, then jumped at the nearest attacker. The man barely got his sword up in time, and as he blocked her advance, sparks flew from their crossed katana. He pushed back against the blade, the energy growing hotter then smiled that sick smile at her, trying to unnerve her. Tamiya returned the favour by winking and then spitting the spirits towards his face. As oh man, this is like fucking crazy 88 shit. As they passed the hot plasma, the spirits ignited and coated his face, burning the mask yeah. off in an instant. Oh, in the brief shit. seconds... This is incredibly <laughs> gory. I'm, I, put, it, it, as I should probably have done a disclaimer, but this is going to get worse. Oh, it's sweet. Or better... <laughs> in the brief seconds before he succumbed to the flames his expression changed eyes widening and smile vanishing he became surprised as if suddenly waking from a dream then he fell to the floor and lay still the next three attacked at once because this was real life and not Assassin's Creed <laughs> <laughs> and Tamiya raised the sword high in defence the three raised their own swords in reflection and an anticipated response Tamiya instantly dropped the sword to her lower hand where Hijoki caught it and slashed decisively, taking all nice. three of them at the knees. The three footless attackers then skidded along the floor as she sidestepped, sliding all the way across the polished ballroom and out the main door. <laughs> <laughs> this is fucking silly as shit. <laughs> you bitch! One of them yelled as they headed out into the lobby. <laughs> oh my god. Six, six left now. Six attackers who now looked at each other, doubting they could beat their two prey. Tamiya smiled from beneath her fox mask. She was good at this. As a scavenger, she had been good at pulling things apart. But now, she was a surgeon with this sword. The lesson yes. she had learned from Hijoki. No, no time to think of that now. She couldn't devote thought to the sadness of their parting. She had motherfuckers to kill. <laughs> she walked backwards and let them come to her funneling them between the tables and keeping them manageable until her foot hit solid metal, the potluck dinner table. She reached behind her and grabbed a large metal terrine of casserole that looked like it had some sort of sausage in it, then threw the scalding liquid at the next two attackers. The first took the brunt and collapsed instantly into a burning mess of screaming. Oh, oh my casserole, wailed someone from the crowd. <laughs> knowing they would never get the praise they deserved. <laughs> That's the real brutalness. <laughs> the second grabbed at his face, and she took the opportunity to slice him down the middle, then grabbed a sausage from the casserole and put it between the sides of him to make a hot dog out of him. 
<laughs> then she laughed, and from the look on the remaining four attackers' faces, they must have seen their short, miserable, pissant lives at the hands of a giggling psychopath flash before their eyes. Tamia held out the katana for all to see, its crackling red energy lighting her from beneath and making her look terrifying. The four of you, everyone watching, you have a choice. Let us talk to Admiral Ivy, or we'll carve you up like a glogs giving finkel bird. Which, to explain, is much like an earth turkey. <laughs> glogs giving finkel bird? <laughs> Rich, do you know anything about Thanksgiving? <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> our, our next wave of merchandise, the Glarg's Giving Collection. <laughs> Glarg's Giving Pornucopia. The four attackers turned their swords off as the crowd ran in fear, and she obliged by doing the same. They made a small corridor for Tamia, and she walked by, casserole pot and sword still in hand. She quickly <laughs> lifted the pot and put it on the nearest attacker's head. Psych, she said, then hit the hilt nice. of her blade against the pot to make it ring loudly. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, this is so gory, man. I yeah. can't believe. <laughs> While Pothead, and not in the good way, was disorientated, yeah. Tamia ignited the blade to the most intense setting and sliced through the two swordswomen at her other side before they could lower their swords. The blade was so hot that the two women's dangling intestines fused together as they hit and they threw, <laughs> flew through the air like a pair of nunchucks before splatting against the wall. <laughs> I was gonna say, I could see Yo, it. this is like some full on fucking like toxic Avenger ass yep. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The remaining man was in shock, staring at this blood covered, gown wearing maniac and wondering why he had laced up his shoes today. Tamia quickly sliced through the neck of Pothead and followed it up with a roundhouse <laughs> kick that guided the head in the pot directly to the last of the assailants. Catching it, he dropped his sword reflexively and then cursed under his breath at his stupidity, just to see Tamia rushing at him with a blade. Don't turn your nose up, bitch. I made that meal especially for you, Tamia laughed. <laughs> <laughs> this is fucking amazing. Then she cut the last one directly through his protesting mouth, cutting the mask he wore equally in half. As he dropped to the floor, her eyes flitted to the stage where Ivy still stood waiting. The last of the Blue Raven bystanders were now filing out of the room, and Tamia approached the platform, covered in the blood of her subordinates. Tamia went to raise her sword but was stopped by Hijoki, who held it at her waist and deactivated it. He rose to face Ivy, but spoke to Tamia as he said, Give me one second, Tamia. You figured it out then, the woman said. The mask was a giveaway, and a dagger in my heart. Your mother and I gave that mask to you on your day of crossing, when you became an adult. Hijoki sounded like he was about to weep. Why? Why would you even do this, Tarrell? <gasps> what the Ta fuck? Tamiya swallowed, unsure what to do. How could this be Hijoki's daughter? She settled her grip on the sword, ready for things to turn south quickly. You dare ask me that? Our young people wanted to settle, to stop floating through space looking for some spiritual homeland that might never come. Tears streamed down her face as, as she shouted. We were dismissed by you elders. Fought down on a convoy of ships ruled by an immortal race. How long did you fathom we would suffer that? It wasn't our way, Hijoki said, the pain in his voice all too real. It was not your way, Tarrell yelled. So I took matters into my own hands. I transferred my soul into my ceremonial mask, then mailed it to this woman, knowing she couldn't <laughs> resist. 
appropriating <laughs> someone else's culture. <laughs> I've been controlling the Blue Ravens for years, old man. Just because you haven't yet taken control of your vessel doesn't mean I would be so merciful with mine. Tamiya stood appalled. Whoa. At any time, could she have been controlled by Hijoki? Hijoki must have known what she was thinking because he spat back in anger. I would never take a, a humanoid's body without consent. That stands in conflict with everything we are. Were. Uh, Taral couldn't oh. corrected. Now half Damn. the clan, my friends, my peers, sit under my control. And the other half, the dinosaurs that they were, have rightly become extinct. The Technomancer showed me I could be my own person. Oh, free no. from your shackles you had moulded for us. I'm sorry you feel that way, daughter. I'm sorry you felt that you had to murder our elders to get your voice heard. That is my failing as a leader and as your father. I admit I was stern, but I had a clan to care for too. And now you have nothing, Tarrell smirked in true loathing, Damn. lifting her own katana. I'm heartbroken, Tarrell, but I won't fight you. You and the remaining members of the clan can do whatever you want. Just let us be on our way. Let's go, Tamiya. Tamiya again went to ignite the blade, but Hijoki told her no and wrestled the blade from her grip. Tamiya turned and began walking down the stage, only for her to feel the heat rising from Tarrell. You don't get to turn your back on me, old man. You don't understand that while you live, there can be no peace for me. Tarrell charged and Tamiya braced, knowing that without the sword in hand she would be cut in two. She heard the katana ignite, felt the heat of it on her skin, and then nothing. It was only after a second that she realised the heat was coming from the blade Hijoki held, their sword. <sighs> As Tamiya turned, Tarrell stood impaled, her eyes wide in fury, her dress growing a dark patch in the middle. Hijoki <sighs> let the sword fall with his daughter's body. I said I wouldn't fight you, Tarrell. I did not say the Technomancer would take another daughter from me. Hijoki Damn. whispered, watching as life slipped from Tarrell's eyes. Oh Tami my god. Tamiya reached towards the sword and deactivated the blade sticking from the girl's corpse. After Hijoki reached to close her eyes, I remind you this pathos is occurring with a sock puppet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's right. Tamiya cleared her throat, wondering what to say. He had killed his flesh and blood for her. I'm sorry, Hijoki. Don't be Tamiya. I lost her long ago, it seems. I lost a great many of them. A silence hung between them, one that Tamiya was keen to break. So what do we do now? Hijoki could not break his gaze from the body on the stage. Whatever it is, we decide together. I'm no longer fit to lead anyone. That's clear to me. Tamiya stood, brushed her gown off and looked at the bloody mess surrounding them. Well, I can't return this dress. And if you think I'm cleaning this mess up for honour's sake, you've got another fucking thing coming. <laughs> One vote for killing that technomancer piece of shit. Hijoki took his eyes off his daughter and stared at the blade in Tamiya's hand. Seconded, he sneered. Nice. The end. What the Oh my, oh god. my god. Oh my pathos. god. Pathos. Mm. Ethos, ethos, logos, and pathos all coming from a sock puppet. Yeah, ethos, legos, and pathos. <laughs> Pesos. Pesos, thank you. <laughs> man. That w oh, man. You, the, the techno you, masters? <laughs> dude, you made me give a fuck about a sock. There you go. A sock, a toy keychain, yep. and a, yeah. uh, a mask. You made me give a fuck about all of them. Yeah. 
Wait till I start killing them all. Oh, you just killed one. Well, yeah, I did. I killed someone's daughter. Stop killing people. Oh, my God. What is Again. with you in murder? Like, I write horror stories, and I'm not as horned up for murder as you are. <laughs> this dude is like, kill them all. I'm fucking George R.R. R. Martin over here. <laughs> There's no point in uh, making people care for someone unless you're going to give them real steaks, right? Yeah, give me a steak yeah, to my heart because I love steak them. steak dinner. <laughs> God, now I want steak. <laughs> Rich, I, I th- I've tweeted about yeah. this, but Rich will just message me in the middle of the night through the, the DM and be like, "Hey Jeff, I'm gonna kill your favorite characters in my stories." It's traumatizing. He's fucking traumatizing us. <laughs> um, last week when I did the Doots and Mookie story, I was I was t- I was so tempted to kill Mookie, and then I was like, "No, I can't. They're all gonna like a too like them too much, and yeah. I can't do it." Rich is, I'm glad you did it. Rich is DMing me like, Jeff, who's your favorite character I write? No reason. <laughs> what I need to do is I'll need to do like a um, uh, sort of death in the family Batman uh, sort of poll <laughs> where people can phone in or yeah. vote, vote in yeah. for their favorite character. We could and we li- list your knows? favorite character from least killable to most killable. <laughs> we could definitely no do something like that. Yeah, yeah. With, for uh, sure. The... Um, the Google phone number, like the message box. Oh, yeah. Cool, where yeah. People could literally call in and vote one way or another. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, yeah. Dude, so good. That was a I... great story. Had me fucking rolling. I only finished it about two hours ago. Oh, no, it's, it was what more than that. I texted you earlier, didn't I? This dude is like, oh, just shit out a great story out of my butthole two hours ago. <laughs> like, wh- what is with you fucking uh, D-minus-ass students finishing your Look. homework <laughs> an hour before class? It worked in college. It's going to work here. Yep. Like, you need the we pressure. Record on, we record on fucking Tuesday, and I finish on Sunday night, and I'm the fastest every time? Yep. I mean, look, here's the thing. I try to write my story on Sunday, but football is on, and I don't do it. <laughs> That's how I can write it. I don't give a shit about football. <laughs> American football, Rich. Yep. Hand Bad football. football. Plus, the Phillies are in the World Series, so whatever. That's pretty dope. Who else is in the World Series? Is there any other countries from the rest of the world? Um... Yeah, the go fuck yourself country. <laughs> Do any of you have a good baseball team? Yeah, where's your baseball team? <laughs> I mean, they wouldn't let us in anyway. Fucking boys what? club. <laughs> boys club. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking boys club. I didn't know Gina Davis was on the podcast. God, I wish. I wish to. Uh, it's not good for my marriage, actually. It's probably not. No, no, but... Yeah. So mine was like the least horror... But still, there was some gore. Great action. Great yeah, action. Hell yeah. yeah. It became Kill Bill at the end. I love it. I love it. I, I loved Dude. the, like I said, toxic Avenger ass, like, yeah. body Tra- horror. Trauma film shit. Body yeah. horror action scenes for no yeah. reason. I, um, I, I have to write um, funny action scenes. I can't. I could have made it. I could have made it serious, but it's just too much. It's too much. No, funny action is hilarious. Yeah. Well, there's a the reason why Josh and I are such giant fans of Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's goofy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. That, that was, was an excellent story. We we had some winners this time around. You guys fucking knocked it out of the park. 
We always say that, and it's true. You guys always do, but I am a very, very self-conscious human being. Well, ditto. I mean, like, I well, you don't my, have to be. I Neither finished my do. story and looked at the time, and I was like, "Boy, howdy! I hope nobody points out how long I was talking." <laughs> Dude. <laughs> that- no, no, yeah, sharks in the water. We 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 sense uh, we sense the blood because yeah, that's exactly what it. I would have been doing. My first thing when I finished the story was like, oh god, how long was that? Your yours was like ten minutes less than mine, so you're but it fine. It didn't feel it. It didn't feel ten minutes. Yours didn't feel ten minutes longer. Like I was absorbed. So I, I just sort of yeah. Like, as long as it doesn't feel long, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, I th- I, it's because I had all this uh, world building to stick into it that yeah. needed to be longer. Well, I feel like the guy who shows up to a wedding in like a t-shirt. My story is like twenty-two minutes, like a fucking Netflix cartoon show. But it doesn't feel short either. It doesn't Here's feel the, yeah. excessively short. Here's the thing, Josh. It's more like you're the guy who started a business, so you come into that business wearing jeans, and we're the fucking <laughs> interns that show up in full suits. <laughs> Is it like that? Yeah. No, it's not. This this show owes a lot to Darinos. For- yeah, mm-hmm. well... Darinos is only made better by your incredible fucking writing. Like... You guys blow me away with how fucking good you are. Like every every time. Well, like we, I we think... do that. We deal with the same thing with your stories. Like we're fucking rolling, laughing, and I'm like, I gotta compete with that. No, <laughs> no I, but it's not a competition. Think, I genuinely think every episode is getting better as well. I know, like a lot of people are saying that, um, which is nice. Thank you, everyone. We really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, that's um, that's cool. But I just see a bunch of people being like, my favorite story of Jeff's was the one that he did like third. <laughs> Which, but I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think no, I think yeah, they're I think gonna. Everybody should have their own favorite story. Yeah. And it can be whatever one. And honestly, like I, I do have like a really big soft spot for the Hallmark story as mm-hmm. well that everybody likes. My wife's favorite that you did was the samurai story. Uh, I, I like that one, one too. Mm. I like that one. Too. Well, I mean, I like all my stories, give or take. Yeah. Mine was the basement one with the maze. I love that. Oh yeah, last episode. Oh man, that yeah, was great. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I can choose a favorite from you. Like honestly, Josh, my favorite might be the flamingos. Yeah. From you. The flamingos. Yeah. yeah. That was such a fucking great episode. Like, Same. It, <laughs> It reminded me of, like, in a weird way, it reminded me of the Bruce Lee movie uh, Game of Death. I love Game of Death. <laughs> like, I love that movie. Where he's like, I have a Game of Death poster in my that's, room. It's sick, but, like, uh, going through the train cars. The levels. Yeah, yeah, reminded the levels, me yeah. of Game of Death, and I was yep. like, this is so fucking sick. Yeah. And I love I the love flamingos. I want to see more of them. <laughs> Go flamingo. Who would win? Flamingos or the Blue Ravens? Oh, Blue Ravens oh, are man. suckers, man. <laughs> yeah. The Blue Ravens are cannon fodder thus far. Yeah. So. I don't know. I heard some things about the Blue Ravens five ever. <laughs> That's true. God, my favorite rich story. Oh my god. Oh, I don't know. It's, it's, the, it's, the moth, the tr- it's the moth one. Yeah, for me. everyone likes it, the moth It might one. be the moth one, but I was thinking it's the one where the train never shows up. Oh, yeah, that's Richie true. And Christian his and fucking Lionel. love story with his watch. Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> <laughs> fucking twisted love watch story. Yeah. That one might be my favorite. That's a good one. They're all great. 
They are yeah. all excellent. Now that we've sucked each other's dicks off. Yeah, I'm ready to come, so. <laughs> um, all right. So, on that note, we close the cover on this week's compilation. Um, yeah. <laughs> every week, every week you do, do the sound effect. It's if good. I don't do it, the planes will fall out of That's the sky, true. Rich. That's true. We're on a winning streak as well, so it's like wearing that's your favorite right. jersey. For that's the... a fo- that's that's sports. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I haven't changed my underwear since we started this podcast. <laughs> that's, that's why you haven't. How yeah, flinch of you? I'm not wearing underwear. Yeah. Damn, I was gonna say. Um, big thanks as always to Vidizen for the use of his music, uh, specifically created for our theme tune. Um, Vidizen is. We didn't uh, choose our next. Uh, oh shit! We didn't. Shut yeah. up, Jeff. Shut up. I'll bring that up. Damn. Now. You got told. I can't believe I got told that hard for just trying to help. <laughs> That's what you get for helping. This is, this is what you get. Uh, I think this is our last episode uh, doing mm-hmm. the Twitter prompts. We're going to start doing Patreon yeah. prompts after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Sounds good prompt to Prompt one is casinos. Hey, like the movie. <laughs> I need to grab something to write this. Let me put it in my phone. That'd be smart. I just remember it, but Shut sometimes up. I don't. Shut I up. Don't. <laughs> I don't often. And Crime Lords. Oh, that, well, that works. works out well. Yeah, it works like out the movie. Really well, <laughs> well it, the one above it, above it is crabs, and the one below it is dogs. Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> dogs and casinos. I could have done that. We could have done a whole story around that painting of them around the poker table. Oh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) The real true story behind Dogs at Cards. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to fit the story I was going to do into this, but I'll shoehorn it in one way or another. Shoehorn it. I love that you have, like, ideas already. Like, I'm like, (laughs) it's like Saturday, and I'm like, I don't know, like, fucking, like, like, I I sit around thinking about this podcast far more than I probably should, to be real honest I have to get it. No, I, I I hear you. I have to get into a groove though. Like yeah. I gotta, re- I, I just sit and I like. Sometimes I'll listen to like music and that helps me. But you know, mm. the way I, the way I write, quote unquote, is that I sit and think the entire story out from beginning to end several no, times before I ever write it down. That's mm-hmm. great. That's a really great way to do it. I will write a few bullet points and then I'll start getting bored of that and then start putting the dialogue in and then write the whole list of dialogue and then I'll That's go so back. Weird. It's weird. We do it all different. We all mm-hmm. different. Yeah, you guys do it like fucking weirdos, and I do it like a normal mm-hmm. guy. Wow, wow. <laughs> it's the method, man. Not method wow. man. It's method man? <laughs> method man's in this? That's um, awesome. You guys so remember yeah. when Method Man and Cricket Man made that movie together? <laughs> yeah. White chicks. <laughs> um... Yeah, so as Jeff said, uh, from next time we'll be taking uh, Patreon prompts. So you're going to have to pay us money to prompt, to, you know, give us prompts. Um, In order to find out what that Patreon is and the link and everything to it, you should definitely follow us on Twitter. You absolutely should. At, at, oh my God, Bros B4 Pros Pod. B and a four. You got it. Yep. Uh, Big apologies. To everyone who goes to iTunes and sees our old 
icon, I can't fucking change that shit. Yeah, I don't I've know what I've done everything about. under the sun to change oh, it. Oh, iTunes doesn't work right? Wow, what a mm-hmm. surprise. For some reason, <laughs> I switched the logo on M-Class just randomly for funsies on SoundCloud, and it updated on iTunes instantly. Maybe you need to be on mm. for six years. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe like, you need a certain amount of episodes. I updated the icon on SoundCloud for Bros Before Pros a uh, month, like a month ago, mm-hmm. and it still hasn't changed. So, fucking dicks. Glad I put all that work <laughs> in to make a new logos Thanks. and shit. But it does look great. It does. Um, someone said to me who listens to the podcast. Someone said to me, "Oh my god, that looks so much like you!" And I was like, "I'll tell Jeff." So there you go. It does. Oh, it does. I, I did draw you. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. Was, I, I did use you as a template. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, That's great. Yeah, big thanks to Vidizen, um, who our our friends going through a bit of a tough time at the moment. So uh, if you could follow him on Twitter at underscore Vidizen underscore and just buy everything he has ever made like literally just go and buy his albums and then go back and buy them as singles that would be really good yeah and just tell him that you love him yeah because we all do because we love him um he is like i mean i love him more but you know (laughs) (laughs) uh no we have two new Uh, reviews by the way oh sweet oh we have one from cool sex haver Oh, I'll bet that person has some sweet sex. They fuck. They fuck for sure. That's five stars. As hilarious as it is horny. Yeah. (laughs) Hope you're not sleeping on this podcast the way I sleep on your mama after a night of passionate lovemaking. If you are, you're blowing it, just like your aforementioned mama. (laughs) Amazing. And uh, we have uh, one other average fantasy enjoyer. Five stars. Oh, oh thank uh, God. Highly enjoyable. Refer to title. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I don't even that's know That's succinct. That's succinct. These are such a better review than the one we got on M class we read out last time. Is, yeah, is we, that, got, we is got. Is that it. the one yeah. that was like? Um, yeah, it's not bad if there weren't such fucking liberal dickheads. Yeah, we're such we're like, lib cucks. Yeah, lib, pretty lib much. Cucks, yeah. Just yeah. fast forward it. <laughs> Good yeah. luck. Yeah. Just fast forward it when they show empathy for anyone that isn't white and a male. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Disgusting. Makes me sick. <laughs> Jeff, where can mm-hmm. people find out about you and your work and your social security number? Uh... <laughs> Newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> now you can find uh, my artwork at uh, jeffpennington.art on the internet. You can follow me on uh, Twitter uh, at underscore Jeff Pennington. And you can listen to a cool podcast that Josh and I do about Star Trek called M Class Podcasts, where uh, better podcasts are listened to by better people. Woo. Now, Josh, assuming you don't die of the COVID, yeah, uh, could you tell people where they can find some of you? Or, you know, where uh, your service will be held? <laughs> my service will be held at uh, Noggle's Funeral Home. <laughs> some of real, you? Sur- tell people where they can home. find some of you, Rich? <laughs> yeah, some of me I'm going to hork up uh, out of my lungs. I assume, uh, I assume Josh is going to be carved into small bits so he can't rise again. 
That's oh, what yeah. their plan is. That's like, what they're telling me. Then we're gonna sell the pieces off like Ferengi. <laughs> my mom, my mom's been telling me that for years now. So, you know, uh, no, you can find me. I do a show called Continue. You probably know about it. I do wow. a podcast called. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm super famous. Uh, I do a podcast called Pretend Friends with uh, Kevin Cole and the Continue Boys, uh, and I do uh, a podcast with Jeff called M Class Podcast. Uh, Twitter is at Henderson1983. I don't tweet a lot because Twitter's terrible. Mm, toxic. True. Fucking dump. Yep. What else? That's it. But follow us there. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, follow us there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you can find me at, at MastersRich. Uh, my work, my fan fiction is at, at BoldlyPros or BoldlyPros.com. Uh, I do a tune related podcast called Toon Hounds with my good friend Spivsy. You can find us at Toon Hounds. And I do a drama comedy show that's a serial called uh, Tapon's Theatre on Subspace and you can find us find us at Tapon on Subspace or at TTOS.call. Um, yeah. That's Rich it. Rich will also be at the Liverpool Fireplace Convention, HearthCon <laughs> this, this year. <laughs> I still haven't sent pictures. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send pictures. I need of my to see these because I feel like you guys aren't really getting how many fireplaces my house has. Oh, I'm, no. I'm, I we don't get it. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you your a picture of mine if you send me all twelve of yours. Man, it's an old house and it's a, oh, it's a hard one to heat. So they put 17 million chimneys in. Damn, remember when England was cold? I didn't realize I was the popper of this podcast. I don't have a single fireplace in my home. Mine doesn't work, though. It's, like, sealed up. Because there's probably, like, a body in there, probably. I don't know. I mean, do you get uh, seagulls roosting on your roof and shitting down your fireplace? Because it's it's not as great as it sounds. Um, That's why you have so many cleaners is, coming is out. Is seagull yeah. shit flammable? Uh, uh, no. Probably. <laughs> if it is, then like, what are you complaining about? Free fire fuel. <laughs> true, true. You just burn it right out of there. Um, that would yeah, smell get... great, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> it would really make the house smell nice. Really. Probably good for your lungs. Really give us a good ambience in the place. <laughs> <laughs> is that gull shit I smell? <laughs> Um, yeah, so by next episode, we're going to probably have the Patreon out. Um, we'll probably tweet some details about it um, between now and next episode. Um, it'd be great if you could support us. It'd be great if you could uh, chuck us some money, because uh, that sort yeah. of stuff will keep this going for as long yeah. as we can make it go. Um, if you it, don't want to follow us on Twitter, uh, the link to the Patreon will be up on brosbeforepros.card.co mm-hmm. as well. That's card with three R's. Two R's. <laughs> two R's. Is it two, two R's? It's two Man. R's. Shut up, Rich. Shut for, up, Rich. For Rich, read. <laughs> two R's. <laughs> um... But yeah, also leave us a review. Uh, those sorts of s- things get us uh, noticed by other people. So, um, but also, just you're listening to the show right now. Just head over to Twitter and retweet or share or tell your mum about us because your mum's gonna love us. You're like, yeah, we your are, mom's gonna love it. We talk about her a lot. Love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I've never had the mum of a girlfriend dislike me. 
and uh, you're never g- yep. you're never going to oh, make yeah. mum dislike me. Yep, so, yeah, that's um, true. Mothers do love us, actually, yep. like literally. That yep. is true. So. Yeah. We're like we're mother approved, a mother approved podcast, <laughs> like Applejacks. <laughs> yeah, Jeff. Yeah, exactly. Choosy like moms choose us. <laughs> yeah, like Jeff. <laughs> um, or kicks cereal. Yeah, or Mum's Net. No, not like Mum's Net. It's terrible. <laughs> mum's Net going there. It's not what it sounds like. It's loads of fucking uh, white mums complaining about shit. Oh no! Oh, Nobody ever king. shows up with a pizza. Mm, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Guys, it's been fun as always. Uh, we'll see you in two. Well, we're not going to see you. We're not going to creep through your window and look at you or anything. Or are we? So. It's Halloween. Oh my uh, god! We'll speak to you in two weeks. Bye bye. Bye bye. I'm a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>